break the trend. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. It's our weekly exceptional children's directors and principals meeting. I'm Tom Miller with my teaching partner and business partner, Katie Ridenauer. Katie, how are you? I'm doing great. I see we've got about a dozen with us so far. Hopefully we'll get a little bit of a higher number there. Just We really want to know what's on your mind. So just, just a real, um, hey buddy. Just a just a reminder of why we have these calls is is to is to unite and to educate and to inform and uh, and just to really network. That's the whole point of it is to meet other leaders and to ask questions of other leaders who are in the same shoes that you're in. Um, and we do a couple of these calls per week. Uh, we have a, our Wednesday at three o'clock call for exceptional children, and then our Thursday at one o'clock call for anybody you know leadership and then our one o'clock call on friday we host for uh teachers and uh, that that call is really more about just personal growth and inspiring and trying to help you know people um just you know transform through tough times because that's what that's what this time should be all about and uh so what i was on my mind today is um two states maryland and missouri and maybe there's other ones have already created very comprehensive documents uh, to support their schools in planning for the upcoming school year and so i sent them all to you and um maybe we can uh and i'll i'll drop that link here in the chat box in case you didn't see it in the in the invitation email uh, but either way, it's it's in it's in our um, building a return to school uh, Google Drive, which is almost getting overwhelmed with stuff, Katie. There's just so many things for you to be looking at. Uh, so I was, you know, going to see, uh, you know, what you know questions do we have that we can maybe find answers from Maryland and Missouri, since they seem to be either COVID started early there or they're just ahead of the game. I'm not really sure what that one is. You guys, I'll let you decide. Um, and then uh, to, to think through something else that's been on my mind, I've got some bullet points that I wanted to uh, talk about, the keys to success to organizational health that we need to be thinking about. And then anything else that's on your mind. I know Tracy Riddle, who's our, who's our incredible expert who works with Acadia North Star, uh, who's everything exceptional children when it comes to to grants and everything um, she's going to share as as well. So Katie, what's the, what's something you want to make sure that we tackle today? Because my son may have just let my dog go. So let me just go check to make sure my dog's not wandering around the neighborhood. So you take the call. So. Sure, sure. So I was reading through the Maryland return to school plan and it's really comprehensive. You know, if, you, if you've been trying to sketch out what a hybrid situation could look like or a staggered entry or going fully remote, I would say, you know, look at, look at the Missouri and Maryland plans and see what they've already planned out. These are research-based and it was put out by the super, state superintendent of Maryland. Uh, I haven't read the Missouri one yet, but, I, you know, I've just been thinking about where you all are and how everybody has the same issue. Everybody wants to know what fall is going to hold. And, um, and so they've already thought through, like what does school, what, are, what does health and safety look like for your students? Transportation, providing food. Um, you know, so what are some of the issues that you all are grappling with from an EC perspective? Because they have a pretty um, comprehensive EC uh, segment, you know, section of the Maryland document as well. 
So, you know, what are some questions on your mind as far as your plan for returning to school in the fall? You could put them in the chat or unmute yourself and, and dive on in. Yeah. Another thing I thought about is from our guest speaker last week, you know, what's something that mm -hmm. you thought about or started to do differently, right? We're trying to bring experts and resources to you to, to be thinking about this. This is a, this is a safe space to get your thoughts out and there are no bad questions uh, there. And good thing, my dog is not wandering around the neighborhood. So it's always oh, good. Well, that's always good. <laughs> Hi all, this is Allie Schneider from UCS in Charlotte. Um, I guess my biggest kind of question right now is we're looking at having a modified schedule for the whole school and having an A day, B day for kids and then having virtual one day a week. Um, so I'm just really concerned about how that's gonna affect EC time um, and what I'm gonna have to do for my minutes, um, especially my self-contained kiddos who are five days a week and have, you know, five hours in an EC setting. I'm just really struggling to think about how to best accommodate them and their needs. That's a really good question. So Allie, let me just ask, and this is for anybody. Thanks for joining. Allie's really smart and she does a really good job at UCS if you haven't met her or been out there. Um, what drives your minutes now? How do you get to your minutes now? student need um you know especially for our self-contained kiddos how much time they mm -hmm. need in the classroom but also you know what that is compared to the general education curriculum um so if the general ed third graders are getting 60 minutes a day of math instruction then that's what we're going to require for our self-contained kiddos um, or for our resource kids um, we'll typically split their time also you know depending on their need and so they'll get 30 minutes in their regular ed math class and then 30 minutes in their uh, resource class mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So you just, you know, kind of took them down the umbrella, right? Like, so your present levels drive your goals and your, your goals drive your services and then your services mm -hmm. create your time. Mm -hmm. So then you just have to, in that sense, you'd have to be, you know, thinking about what, like, what are the, what are the outliers here? If, how do you provide? So I hear what you're asking is, I think is how do I provide five hours of services per day? in a potential remote environment. Is that, is that kind of one of your questions? Um, yeah, essentially. And then, you know, if we're not going to, if kids aren't going to be on campus all day and it, just a lot is in the air that I'm, that I know I was questioning for like the whole school, but I especially, I feel like want to enhance that for like our EC kids. Yeah. Hey, Allie, were you or anybody else on the call we did last Thursday when we had Joel Medley and uh, Gina Petrangelo, I think her last name was, from K-12? Is this? I know Erica was, and so I've seen her notes on it and read through them. Yeah. So Joel said something that was really great if you were on that call. He said, remember, your kids are general education kids first. Mm -hmm. So, right? So it's about establishing that partnership and then really looking at it. So for example, so I guess some questions you could bring back to your administration are, what will be the amount of time expectation on remote days? 
Okay. Right. And then combine that with your on-campus days, just like this year, right? I think the kind of the umbrella that the state gave you or the federal guidelines were whatever your time was before, now it's kind of cut in half in a sense, right? If your school day got cut in half, then this got cut in half. So that's, you know, potentially one way. But I think I just want to encourage everybody to be thinking through that, you know, model. My present levels drive my goals. My goals drive my service uh, delivery time. So how much time will it take me to achieve per goal rather than how much time have they already been spending in a self-contained or resource setting? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to put that out there for anybody because we got some really smart folks on the call to be thinking through that model. What would that look like for a more self-contained student? What do you think, Annette? You're always so good at this. Here's, there you go. Okay. All right. My brain is just twirling around that one. My thoughts are that if, if they're getting their time in classes, in their classes while they're on campus, if you've got a goal that they're not meeting, then you could do the Zoom or do something with them when they're off campus. Mm. The times of that, when they're off with their easy teacher there, to get that extended time because that's the some of the things that we've been working on at PCHAS the stuff that they're not meeting when they're um, meeting with their teachers the regular ed teachers right now off through the web now that we're getting with their teachers and saying okay what are, what goals are they not meeting and then we're meeting with them on zoom one-on-one or within a small group setting with the EC kids um, to meet those goals. Yeah, so that's interesting. So it sounds like, or you, you, know, you, know, you know, maybe my mind's going elsewhere, but the goals that have to be face-to-face -face when they're on campus, we do that. And the goals that we think we can teach in an online remote environment, we do it on the other day. Is that, am I that's reading That's pretty much how we're handling it. Okay. What do you think about that, Allie? Is that, you know, something you could think on? Yeah, I think that that's a good idea. Yeah, thank you. And I, and I almost think about like, couldn't you do, I mean, it might be a little bit harder, but almost like a flipped model too, right? You know, again, really focusing on when we've got them face to face, really focusing on the real nitty gritty, teach them how to organize, right? You know, we know our students with disabilities, like we know what their challenges are. The more we can hammer them when they're right there in front of us in a shorter time burst and then let them loose on those other days on things that are more relational and just kind of, you know, um, stuff that they can retain without having to do a lot of physical work. I just remember my kids, like, if I wasn't on top of them, they weren't doing much, <laughs> right? So what, so how could I influence them to do things on their own to find that really interesting work on those remote days? But then when they're here, like, I got them. Like they are, they are with me. What do you think, Tracy, as you know, someone who was a, you know, a state consultant and um, I think you're still with us, right? Yeah, there you are. I am. Uh, yeah. What are some of your I was, um, <laughs> I, I have to admit this. I can't respond because I just was helping a charter submit the, 
the federal personnel survey that was that's due Friday. So I apologize. Rephrase the question, and I promise I'll respond. Yeah, so we were just asking about if the school moves to an A day, B day next year, what would remote you know, services look like in comparison to face to face? And we just kind of came up with some ideas that the harder goals, the more goals that need more hand over hand and, and, and more like intrusive prompts are on face to face days, where the least remote or like the least intrusive prompt you know, goals and services could be delivered on remote days. I think Correct. That's so if A is being, uh, the face-to-face -face and B being the remote. Um, that Just like Annette said, that makes sense to, to look at those more significant issues um, because when you're looking at skill deficits and you have to do that special education that requires a lot of intense work, that would be better to be done face-to-face. -face. Um, but if you're working on something that's not as critical, obviously it could be done online with, you know, maybe, um, interaction with other peers or God forbid worksheets, but that kind of thing. So yeah. Um, but the reality is on the IEP, it's going to show say um, 40 minutes, three times a week, um, you know, 60 minutes might be provided on those face-to-face -face days and 20 minutes on the virtual days. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you have to still look at, what's on the service delivery and provide that level of service. Does that make sense? Hey, Tom, Tom, I don't know if you can hear me. I kind of feel like it's something similar to the difference between like a team taught class versus self-contained. Like there are certain goals on the IP and we, I feel like we already kind of do this when we read IEPs. We think about the services and the needs of the student and the best place in order to meet those needs and we make those adjustments that way. So I kind of feel like from that perspective, thinking it, thinking about it from that lens seems to make it a little bit more familiar. Yeah, sure. And I was just reading through, I was trying to uh, skim through the Maryland, you know, to see if they talked about, and they, they continue to, talk, to uh, talk about amended IEPs. So it looks like that's, that's, you know, one of the models that they're moving to is they may just realize that certain things are going to have to be taught in a different perspective or um, you know, different environments. Um, so that's something that hopefully North Carolina will give some guidance on sooner than later. So you can do that. Tom, I have a question for everyone. Yeah, I have a question for everyone. How are they uh, doing their IEPs at this time? We've been discussing on how we're starting our IEPs as far as getting them ready for next year. And how are they addressing it? is writing the goals and the service times. And, and that, that's a great question because Alan brought up a good point. If you're doing the IEPs now and you're not sure if you're gonna be doing face-to-face -face or a face-to-face -face virtual model, you can only do the best that you can and you might have to, as Tom talked about, amend the IEP because if you're doing virtual, are they with their non-disabled peers? If you're doing face-to-face, -face, are you able to do it in a co-teaching model or are they gonna be removed from their non-disabled peers? That's what we look at for continuum. And so, you know, two things come up. Right now, I'm, I think you're gonna assume that you're gonna go back to brick and mortar 
or you're going to assume that you're going to do an A and a B where you're doing on virtual and face-to-face. -face. So maybe face-to-face -face three days a week and virtual two days a week. If you already know that when you develop the IEP and you're looking at the location, you can put that in now. Right. See, right now we're not there. We're not even quite sure. So when we were talking, um, Kelly and Stacy and Kelly and I, we're talking about writing because we're starting to set up our IEP uh, meetings, but we're deciding on how are we going to address this in the IEP and the service time areas. And um, I said we need to address both and do a continuum of both. I know for CFCI, um, we are not addressing remote learning in our IEPs. We're assuming that we are going to eventually return to a traditional setting of brick and mortar for the majority of the school year. And the, obviously the, the goal is to do that sooner while at the same time paying attention to making sure everybody stays, staying safe and all that kind of thing. But from our perspective, we're writing the IEPs as if we are uh, in a traditional learning setting. And then in the event that the state gives us direction that we are to do some kind of a hybrid remote learning, we'll look at amending the IEPs once we get that direction. But as of right now, we are uh, writing the IEPs as if we are going to resume in a traditional setting as soon as possible. Yeah, you know, and I would imagine you should be able to write the IEP that it doesn't have to be a balanced, you know, 40 minutes a day for X amount of days. Couldn't you do the first, you know, quarter, it's this, and then the, you know, second through the end, it's, you know, the rest too. I mean, you Absolutely. Could, yeah, I mean, you could write it as, as any way you want. And so I think that would be something to do if you haven't done is let's look at all the IEPs that may need amending. And let's see if we can't amend it to that, you know, model and almost have two service uh, delivery models written within. It's been years since I've written one. And when I wrote one, we used Goalview. And I know you guys don't use that anymore. So, but for that, you know, process, it was really simple to be able to write um, IPs that had kind of different structures in them. That sounds really good questions though. You guys are bringing some really good stuff today makes our job easier. Um, so it sounds like you're encouraging people to not paint themselves in a corner saying that we're going to do this many hours a week, instead do it over a quarter. And so then you can, you know, give that service, yeah. however you can. Because here's the great thing, everybody, you're not alone. Every school in your county has the same problem. So it's not like a parent's going to say, well, we'll just take our kid elsewhere. Okay. I'm not sure how they're going to be able to provide you anything different, but that's, you know, I mean, that's, so it's not like you're in a competition either. So you want to do what's best for the kid all the time, no matter what best stuff for the student. And then what's, what's, you know, possible. And I think this is a great time because when I was a principal and when I was an EC teacher, like a lot of IEPs were written based more on like administrative convenience, right? Or just like, you know, consistent time rather than actually what followed that, you know, process that the, that your present levels, you know, drive the goals, the goals drive the services. And that, you know, it was just easy to go, Hey, you all have 60 minutes of reading. Cause I'm going to bring you all into this one class together at the same time every day. And that's how sometimes IEPs are written. So you want to be, 
you know, maybe take it, take this opportunity to really rethink your process and your goal writing um, and how you're aligning your goal writing to your actual service delivery. And you may actually save yourself some time and headache down the road. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Silence isn't always agreement. So I'm just. I saw Annette. She was shaking her head. She was, she was with me. <laughs> She's the only one I could see. Alan's got this giant smile on his face. Like he's just so excited to be here. If everybody came to all of our sessions like Alan, oh my gosh, look at him. Um, one of the things that I wanted to, to, you know, share in along with that, right? So this is going to go along with all of your questions. So uh, Katie and I have been participating in a lot of workshops through uh, Patrick Lencioni, uh, who, who wrote the five functions of a team. And he said during one of the workshops, he said, the key to success, right, will be the healthiest organizations, right? So to really push towards organizational health. And so what does that mean for leaders? And it means number one, this is a great time for you to build or rebuild or strengthen trust, okay? And it doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, build trust means give more work or whatever. It just builds that relational credibility, that credibility in your pocket with your, with your teachers, with your gen ed teachers, with your exceptional children's teachers, and with your uh, stakeholders. And then also, it's a great time to improve teamwork and collaboration. So for example, we've been hearing a lot of schools are having a tough time getting parents and students to engage okay but we can work with our other adults right because they should be engaged so if i can't get students to be engaged you can't force anybody to do anything in this you know sense right but what i can do is i can rally the other adults in my team or in my building my virtual building and we can be better and stronger and come out of this a much better team with a better plan for next year, rather than try to chase every rabbit hole for every kid who's not logging in. And I get that, that's not probably what you wanna hear, but you're spending a lot of time chasing rabbits. When one thing that you know for sure is that all the adults have to work. <laughs> so how do we make our program better and stronger for next year um, in, in this time frame Because you only probably have, how many, like three or four weeks left and pretty much everybody's done. Like, I don't know how many schools are gonna go past mid-June. So how many more weeks do you have everybody together? Because when the country says it's okay to go to the beach, guess where everybody's going? Because they were just there this weekend. I saw a lot of them there when I drove down. I mean, right? And that's gonna be there. She's not gonna be one of the, you know, thinking about this. So the more work you can do on the front end, the less repairing you're going to have to do when you do come back in late, you know, July or August, whatever your time frame is. Um, so those two uh, points, build trust and improve teamwork and collaboration, maybe that's the forefront uh, for you um, as leaders right now. Mm -hmm. So are we going to talk about how we build trust? Because that's really hard. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. Right? So, so, you know, I'll put it out to the group. I know what Patrick Colenzioni said to do, but what do you all do? What are some practices that you all do um, to build trust on your teams? And Liage is going to be at the beach too, June 13th. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
I know one of the things we do to help build trust is that open communication piece. Mm-hmm. When decisions need to be made that are going to affect the teachers in our building, we make sure that um, they're a part of the conversation and part of making that decision. And I know Tom has worked with CFCI in the past and is very familiar with our decision-making decision making process. And like that's one of the, the ways that we build trust is that we involve the teachers in the decisions that directly affect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really key. If they're part of that conversation, they're going to be more committed to the outcome and you know, they're, they're going to be more accountable. And I see uh, Teresa Harrison put in here transparency. What does that look like, Teresa? What does that look like at uh, Tillery? Well, at Tillery, you know, we're so small. So our EC director is also our EC teacher. So, but all the students, you know, all of her students are in the spread out in all the classes. So just really keeping them abreast of like everything that's going on mm-hmm. on the EC side of things and in the classroom. I mean, they just, they don't know what they don't know. So we just want to keep them informed of what's going on as these kids stay here and then move to another classroom. You know, we just really need to be open-ended and just honest about their situations and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. and really just involve the teachers and all the decision makings and on the EC side of things. Oh yeah. I mean, you're talking to someone who had a legally blind student in her class and I didn't know until the end of the year and she sat in the back of the room and she was a straight A student, but I would have really liked to have known that she was blind. Um, well, I found out in May and by then, you know what, I, I, didn't, I treated her the same. I didn't say anything, but I would have really liked to have known in August. Yeah. That would have been great. <laughs> so yeah, I think transparency is absolutely key. Okay. So I heard, communication, transparency, anything else? Well, honesty and when we make a mistake, I tell my girls that we need to be honest mm-hmm. and we need to go to the teachers and let them know we've made a mistake. What kind need- of mistake could, could an EC teacher make? Can you talk about that? Uh, what kind of mistake can we make? Yeah. What kind of mistake we not made? Um, <laughs> That's how you learn, um, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just, just um, like when we've gone to one of the things that we made a mistake um, just this past year with one of our teachers who was new to our school, we're used to going in and just grabbing a kid and coming out because we have keys to the classrooms. And, and uh, one of my teachers walked up, um, opened the door, asked for the student and then left with the student and um, the teacher took offense to it. Mm. So um, she had to go back and she apologized to that teacher because she, the teacher felt like that um, she was the second rate teacher that this teacher, that the EC teacher felt that she could, um, that she shouldn't have done that, that she should have set up an appointment, let the teacher know that she needed that student or called ahead of time or knocked on the door instead mm. of just opening up the door. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a mistake on our part. All our other teachers have never thought anything of it, but this one teacher did. <laughs> um, I've made a mistake by um, assuming that the teacher understood what an AU student um, uh, could how they should be treated in a classroom. Mm-hmm. 
and they didn't understand what an AU student really was. Hmm. So, so I make sure that in the beginning of the school years now, each school year when I'm going over terms and um, classifications, what an AU student um, may look like in their classroom, what some things that they should be looking for, some things that they could do, and what ADHD, what some things that they can do um, mm -hmm. to help that student who may be in their classroom, give them some advice. So we have a, a little mini session now with all the teachers, especially for new teachers. Right. And what a great gift for all the teachers to have that refresher at the beginning of the year when they have a whole new round of students. So, you know, to have those tools top of mind, that's, that's such a great gift. Yeah. Um, so honesty was yours. So communication, transparency, honesty. Uh, Liaja put in the chat to have a weekly social Zoom and that really builds trust too as you're building those relationships and that's something that Lencioni talked about is get to know people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I don't know if Tom's gotten to the third session of Lencioni's training, but I was, uh, I listened to it today and he, he was telling a story about uh, the, a doctor and an intern were walking around and um, the nurse heard the, the doctor kind of debriefing the intern and he said, so when we were in there, did you see the janitor come in and out of the room? And the intern said, no. And he said, well, his name is Carlos and he's been married to his wife for this number of years. He has three kids. And, and this is what he's really struggling with right now. Here he is a doctor and he, he's, you know, he knows the janitor. He said, so your job now is to go meet Carlos and come back to me and tell me something about him that I don't know. And the nurse said, you know, is, is thinking to herself, this is why we love that doctor. Because mm -hmm. we're not just nurses. We're not just a janitor. We're people. And that really, you know, that is so important to building trust. Yeah, he said in one of them, he said, you know, right now a lot of leaders are thinking like, well, I want to get in and out of these Zoom calls because they don't want to take a lot of the time, you know, from the people. And he's like, that's the wrong mentality right now. Mm -hmm. It needs to be the opposite. You need to lean into your Zoom calls and ask questions and listen and really, because everybody's feeling discomfort. I mean, we're two months in now, right? So some of us are maybe a little too used to this quarantine moment, but there's a lot of people struggling. And they're on your team. You might be struggling. So, like, thank you for being on the call and, you know, trusting us. And um, I just went to our archives, Katie. You know, all these get uploaded into a podcast. So I, you know, went in there. We did a lesson on uh, building trust. I just saw, Katie, it has the most downloads of any of our lessons. It's got 681 downloads on our podcast. So if you're interested, it's there. It's a little long. We probably need to do it again and shorten it up, but there's so much to talk about when it comes to how to build trust. Um, it, it's, it's really important. So that could be something, right? Just mm -hmm. listening to that maybe with your team and having a conversation about, hey, what can we do over the next 60 days to build incredible relation and trust? Because when we come back, like it's going to be, it's going to be different. It's going to be different when you guys all come back and see each other, right? There'll be a lot of tears. There'll be lots of emotions. You know, how do you, how do you work through that um, and, and be where you need to be? Uh, because when people come face to face, like task oriented people out there, like you're going to have to suck it up and be a people oriented person. 
because nobody's going to want to care about like what time the agenda is or whatever else. It's neat. You're going to need people time. And a lot of us task oriented people, we ain't got time for that. You better start making time because your people need to hear from you and they need to be, you need to be listening to them. You need to be listening very intently. For sure. That's right. Yeah. He, uh, he used the quote from Stephen Covey, slow is fast and fast is slow. So the more you can slow down and connect with your people, that's going to help speed you up. But if you try to speed through those meetings, you're, you're going to make mistakes. People are going to have the wrong impression and you're going to have to backtrack. Yeah. And I think Ali's still with us. I mean, you know, so she had a really good point about um, knowing all the answers, right? Nobody knows all the answers. However, we can build trust by making a commitment. So figure out what you can make a commitment to. And then you build trust by keeping that commitment. And the commitment might not be 40 minutes a day. The commitment might be, we're going to give your son or daughter the best education in a safe environment as we can on a daily basis. Some days it might be 10 minutes. Some days it might be 30. We're not sure yet because we have no idea what it's going to look like. But I can tell you what we are going to do. We're going to pour into your kids. Right? That's the commitment you can make because we don't know. That's right. right. Now, when you break that commitment, that's when you lose trust. That's how you start to lose it. Yeah. And everything moves at the speed of trust, right, Katie? So if, you're, mm -hmm. if you've got some kind of slowdown in your organization or things aren't working right, just look for the trust problem. <laughs> Identify where the broken trust is, and you will be able to maybe move that flywheel a little faster. So. And have those hard conversations because uh, they can be, I, I remember when I was a principal, I avoided some hard conversations and it did not go well. You're right. The longer I avoided it, the worse it was. So well, that, you know, the first time I had a sense that somebody was upset with me, I should have just gone and talked to them. But I was like, oh, they must be fine. They're not talking to me. No. <laughs> Those, those who don't listen to their people will soon be surrounded by people who no longer speak. That's right. And you can't have a team that doesn't speak. That's right. You're in trouble then. Mm -hmm. Hey, Tracy, I know you wanted to get some things off of your uh, chest and out of your mind about like upcoming webinars or due dates. And you're always sending me good stuff. So Tracy sent me some things that came from the state and I put them in your exceptional children's folder in that Google Drive. Um, so I will, I will relink that in, but, you know, Tracy, let's give you the floor for a little bit to, you know, maybe update some folks. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Tom. And for some of you, you might already have all this information. So I apologize if it's a repeat. Um, but number one, last week, the PRC 118 flexibility memo came out. And that is the PRC 118 funding is IDEA funding, and it is for targeted assistance. Usually it's for autism support, related services support. We do have one of our charters that gets some personnel funding, but that's targeted assistance support. They gave you some flexibility on that. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. But also in that memo, there is a link if you need more PRC 118 funding due to COVID. 
So for example, let's say I just worked with a charter. You have kind of a old laptop computer and you need a more updated one to do all the things you need to do with your virtual learning. That might be something that you're gonna request the additional $1,000 for. Now, obviously you can't get a good laptop for $1,000, but if you have a little bit of money in PRC 118, which a lot of you do, you could request that funding. But it's only if you need it. So I just wanted to make you aware of that, that in that flexibility memo, it, there's also a link to apply for, for charter schools, up to 1,000 additional dollars in PRC 118 money, and you have some flexibility that you don't just have to spend it on related services or autism support or ECATS training. But please keep in mind, if you request this funding, it's old money, which means it has to be obligated by September 30th, so we need to have an invoice by September 30th and then spent by the end of December, okay? Number two, many of you have already done the new IDEA grants training. Um, it was offered to Northwest, Western, um, and Sand Hills and North Central. Um, and that training was done yesterday and today. And then there's additional training on tomorrow for Northeast and Piedmont, and for Friday for Southeast and Southwest. If you have not yet registered for that grant training, if you do your own IDEA 611 and 619 grants, you want to make sure that you um, attend that training. And so one of the documents I sent to Tom, it's called um, Training Plan Update. That has the link to register for the IDEA training on the new grant platform. Tracy, do you know if they're recording those trainings? They said today they're not. Okay. Um, but they pretty much follow the PowerPoint exactly. I mean, they read to us. So, um, <laughs> so in addition to providing you that information about the training plan update, I've also attached the PowerPoint that they use for the training because I attended the training today. Okay, perfect, okay. thank you. So, you know, those are some things that are coming up. One other thing, well, I'm sorry, two other things. This morning, I talked to Matt Hoskins, Assistant EC Director for the Exceptional Children's Division, and he had sent out a survey last Friday and had asked if you could send it in by Tuesday. He's given us to the end of business today to get it done. So I did send a link to the survey. If people are having difficulty accessing the link, um, when you cut and paste, sometimes it adds an extra space on the backside. So just you know, back it up or just copy the link and click on it and it'll take you to the survey. What it's asking you for is, because of COVID-19 and, the, and, the, and because you have to do virtual, how many students do you feel haven't been participating in services? How many might need extended school year? How many might need compensatory education, both in academics and in related services? And then it asks you to come up with a figure and then just send that in. This is not information that has to be exact. It's just something for Matt 
to take to the legislators to say, we may, we may need more state money for exceptional children next year because of COVID-19, okay? And then the last thing I promise, the federal personnel count survey is due on Friday. And if you haven't submitted it yet, you still have time. It's very easy. It takes about 10 minutes. If you're an Acadia North Star client, even if you're not, if you call me, I can walk you through it. You can either email me or call me. I'll put my link uh, in the chat box um, because I wanna make sure everybody submits this because this is something that the Office of Special Education Programs must have from every state. And I think, Tom, that about gets it off my chest. <laughs> Oh, I love exceptional children. There's always just so much fun stuff going on and so many things you have to be wary of. So thanks. We're so fortunate that, you know, Tracy takes the time with us this week because otherwise you guys would be up a creek. I wouldn't have a clue what to share with you. So thank you, Tracy, for putting in those extra hours and time for us. You know, I do anything for you, Tom. Uh, well, listen, you, listen, if you guys don't know this, you don't know this. And I probably said it on this call before. When I worked at uh, DPI, there was only one human being that you could always guarantee who would answer their phone besides me. And that was Tracy Riddle. So she was always so good and always so helpful. And uh, so we're, we're really fortunate to be able to still have, and I'm sure there's other people now that DPI that answer their phone. Just, you just got to track them down. You got to figure out who they are. <laughs> All right. Any, any other questions, Katie, that we did not? Uh, so Liege is going to the, Outer Banks on June 13th. All right, well, I'm going to Holden Beach, so I'll be at the other, the other side of the beach. So, but you enjoy your beach time, six feet of space. And let's see, we got a weekly local Zoom. So is there anything else that-, that, that We, that, I think we covered it all that was in the chat. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, well, um, we appreciate all of you. Uh, take a look at those Maryland and Missouri comprehensive. If you just search uh, special education, it'll be much easier for you. And, um, there's some pretty good stuff. I don't think it's anything that's like mind boggling, but at least it's a framework maybe to help you start to think through what it could look like. Um, so take a look at that resource. It's in your Google Drive that we shared. Uh, be sure this week to be working on building organizational health, uh, working on building trust. Uh, with this video, I will reset the links and the resources that's got some activity activities to maybe build trust, uh, but really focus on that, you know, this week. How do we, how do we become a healthier, stronger organization relational-wise coming out of, of these last couple of weeks of school? So uh, thanks, everybody. Really excited, uh, as always, to spend some extra time with you all. Katie, anything else? I, I have two more things. Oh, Katie's got two things. All right, Katie, we should... Uh, one more thing is uh, on page 10 of the Maryland plan, that's where you'll find the special education information. And uh, today is Tom's 44th birthday. So if everybody will unmute yourselves and say happy birthday to my friend, Tom. Happy birthday, Tom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Tom. You're catching up with me, Tom. This is when the host, I should have like, muted everybody and put that the, they can't unmute themselves that would have been awesome yeah thanks everybody i am shutting down here in 15 minutes so if i owe you an email or if you text me about something i'm not going to be able to respond to you until tomorrow i made a promise so 
Uh, hopefully I don't miss any deadlines, but if I do, I apologize in advance. So thanks everyone. Enjoy your afternoon. Bye. Right. Bye, -bye Thank everybody. you. Bye-bye everybody. Bye -bye.